Book Ghost Stories Part 2 As read by Wicked Jester and Razor Edge Raz, this recording will include entries 10 through 16. Into the Fray She wasn't ready, but I had no choice. The Cabal mining rig was set to scorch the earth and then churn the soil to get at whatever they were after underneath. Problem was, my guardian, the one I'd spent a very long time looking for, was lying dormant in their path, a lifeless husk in need of a wake-up call before her remains were atomized and I was left for eternity without my chosen. That I found her seconds before the Red Legion survey team arrived was unfortunate. But I had to do what I had to do. Some risks, after all, are worth taking. It was now or never. And besides, there's no timing like bad timing. I opened myself up to the Traveler's Gift and enveloped her in light just as the mining rig settled. My new guardian gasped and sat up, crying out as if waking from a nightmare. Not good. The Cabal security team was on us quick. Their slug shots rang out. Before she could take a second breath, my guardian was dead. Again. I spun and hit her with another scan as the rig warmed its burners. The Cabal released their war beasts on us. My guardian was up as the ground heated and the war beasts charged. She was confused, as was to be expected. Run! Now! I tried to warn her, incite her to move, but she just looked around, dazed and confused. Then she saw the beast. Instinct, as it turns out, is a compelling motivator. She was up in a flash, sprinting away from the rig's burners and away from the gnashing teeth that were quick on our heels. As soon as she cleared the rig, the cabal opened fire. And here's where risk became reward. My guardian didn't flinch, didn't cower. Instead, she got angry and aggressive. This long-dead woman was back among the living for only a moment, and already she was one with war. I wonder, perhaps, if that's what makes humanity the perfect weapon. If that's what makes it a force worthy of concern. Not my place to say. Though what came next gave me pause and more than a hint of pride. My guardian charged the nearest cabal, a creature of war she had never seen, a hulking brute in thick plate armor. She docked and dodged, left to right and back again to avoid slugfire. A war beast lunged, clamping its jaw on my guardian's forearm. She yelled. The cabal laughed. The other war beast closed in. Then, my guardian, this woman only just reborn in the light, grabbed the beast, clamping down on her arm by the hind legs, lifted and brought her entire weight down on the creature's spine, knee first. The sound cracked bone and a sudden sharp yelp caused the other beast to halt and the cabal to quell their laughter. She resumed her charge, no hesitation. The beast's limp body was still locked on her arm. She pulled it free. I could hear the flesh tear, but she did not flinch. Instead, she closed the distance, rushing the cabal. The beast held tight in her good arm's grip. The cabal raised his weapon, but too late. The other beast charged as my guardian pummeled the legionary with the corpse of his pet. It was brutal, swift. I issued a warning as the war beast lunged, but it didn't matter. She already had the cabal slug thrower in hand. What followed, I'm reluctant to recount at full. She was new then, awakened into a world of sudden fierce violence. 
All I will say is that I am here and my guardian is near. And somewhere deep within the EDZ there is ground still darkened with the stain of Cabal blood. Tam, a ghost recounting his guardian's resurrection. Struck by wonder. I look upon them and I am struck by wonder. All they do, all they endure. Not a single one asked for this life, this second chance. And when they woke, when the light hit their eyes in that first instance upon their return, they were welcomed into a broken world. Yet, they stand. Time and again, against odds insurmountable in defiance of all who would see their end. Such determination, such pride, such fire. Love, joy, hope, fear, lust. Such powerful will, strong enough to carve the promise of new tomorrows across the barren landscapes of yesterday. It inspires. From the smallest victory to the grandest of conquests, I've seen it all. The raising of the first walls. The bravery of six fronts. The desperation at Twilight Gap. The war with the devils. The taming of the wolves. I've seen Iron Lords rise and fall, witnessed the last cycles of Dark Ages, and cheered as new triumphs gifted all with the promise of renewed hope. Our return to the moon and Mars, the pruning of the garden, and the defeat of Hive Royalty. Even Gaul and his armies. So many threats, so many challenges. Yet our guardians stand. Humankind persists. They are touched by the light, but no longer do I see it as a gift. Instead, it is their courage, their strength, their humanity that has been, in truth, the greatest gift their greatest weapon. This thought brings me joy and a bit of peace amid so much chaos. And I find myself asking, often and with great anticipation, where to next? Observations of a ghost named Kaiser on Guardian Inspiration Confessions of Hope Part 2 Out here in the wild, survival depends heavily on your ability to elude fallen patrols. Everything else, every other danger, is secondary. Exposure, starvation, hungry beasts, crazed bandits, all can be assessed and managed. But fallen, these vicious pirates, they hunt and kill not only for their own survival, but for sport. They relish the slaughter. I was guiding our ragtag group through dense woods, but with a child to carry and many survivors wounded, we didn't move quickly enough. We'd been spotted a few miles back. The attack was swift, violent. The child's mother fell almost immediately. His father foolishly, though maybe it's best to imagine he was brave, let his grief and fear get the better of him. He ran to her aid, but there was none to give. Now he is gone as well. Two parents dead. One orphan child gifted in ways he can't yet understand. Others grabbed the infant and fled. He cried, confused and frightened. 
They muzzled his fear and made for the thick of the forest. I followed. The child was mine to protect if I could. I had no choice but to stay with him. And yet here I am. This hasty dictation is meant to give some insight, if needed, into my choice. Into my moment of weakness that led to a child reborn. I'm recounting as I flee, so mind the cliff nature. This truncated plea for understanding and a brief history of what happened here. I will send this message on signal to any ghost who may hear. The fallen are on me. I have run from the pack to lead them away. Should I survive, I will return to the child. Should I fall, he will be left to others to raise. And will ever have only the one second life to give. I left him in the care of a terrified man and woman. But they are smart and caring. They have courage, but know when to run, when to survive. They will stay hidden until the fallen are away. My light serving as a distraction to lure them as far from these humans as I can. I made my presence known to the pirates and darted from the last of the survivors. Made myself a target to buy them time. But that time is short. The fallen are close now and closing. I can hear the bark of their war cries. I can feel the spark of their blades. They've long since learned that to kill one like me is a future problem solved. I'm not sorry for the choice I made. The child gave hope, though fleeting. What comes next for him is unknown, but there is a promise. But there is promise in him, should he find sanctuary, should he find guidance. This is not a confession. This is my hope. This is my Fragment of the last transmission from an unknown ghost. A Hero's Requiem. You were all special. He was no different at first. Just as special. Same as the rest. All that's changed, obviously. Over time, he distanced himself, stood out. It took some time for her to adjust to his personality. From what she shared, it took him time as well. The Cade Six, known to all, is not the man he was in total. His wit and his playfulness were a shield, a weapon as trained as his blade or his hand cannons. He called her Sundance. Never sure why. She said it was from an old legend, a fable from the time before the time before. I always thought it was because of her spark, the grace with which she moved so effortlessly, so sly. They were a perfect match. There's no doubt he recounted his return to those closest to him, all worn. There's no doubt he recounted his return to those closest to him on more than one occasion. And there's no doubt as well that the events shifted a bit with each telling. Like his wit, the building of his legend was a weapon. For those who don't know, for those who were not lucky enough to hear the tale of Kate Six's first from his own mouth, 
with that charm and the way he'd act out his favorite parts, complete with sound effects. Here's one telling. It's a recording from Cycles Past. Not the whole story, but where Kate Six was involved, nothing ever was. Boom! I wake up groggy, confused, hungover. It's the same for us all. So that initial shock's nothing new. Sundance is in my face, and I am freaking out. My brain works, but I don't remember things that I seem to be functioning life form. I'm human, I'm a man. And then my mind starts reeling a thousand miles a minute. Boom, boom, boom! Like I'm downloading the idiot's guide to basic human existence. Cool, great, still can't remember anything. And I sure can't wrap my head around the talking, floating, magic robot orb thing jabbering in my face. I'm freaked! So, I freaked, smacked her into the ground, hard, and I ran. I'm running. She's running. Or, you know, whatever she's doing since she doesn't have legs. She's right behind me, going, wrong way, wrong way. She's screaming. I'm screaming. Whatever she's yelling, I'm just keep running. It's night. Did I mention that? It's nighttime, and my eyes are still adjusting. So I'm running. I'm running. Can't see, can't remember, scared to death, confused as all get out. And then I fall. I'm straight up. Falling, just like that, I ran right off a cliff. Wasn't a short drop, I bounced. So many times, felt each and every one, till I didn't. Till it all went black again. And then, boom, I'm back. She's got me right up on my feet, just like she always does. And that, my dudes, was the start of a beautiful friendship. Most haven't heard that story. And listening, you hopefully weren't looking for any definitive truth of who he was as a man or a guardian. It's not what the story's for. Its purpose, now more than ever, fits nicely into the armor Kate wore best. He thought it was funny. And now more than ever, Kate would want us to laugh. Shiro Force Ghost at the Gathering in Cade Six's Honor. From Fallen Ground. I am quiet. I am not here. The Fallen cannot see me. They cannot know me. I am not a shadow, but I move among them. Silent, deliberate of motion and intent as when I entered their hollow one month prior. I use the light of day to mask my own because the forest here is barren. It's... it's... it's a dead place. To and fro, a constant buzz as the scavengers go about the business of stripping this world of its old glories. And I watch. I learn. I record and I preserve. Their every movement is my obsession. I hang on their every word, even though I am not versed in their nightmare tongue, but others are, and they will decipher it. They will find the secrets hidden within. Secrets are like weapons, and I am an instrument of their unmaking. They are the enemy. They are cruel, and I will learn and share, and they will be undone. What is that shouting? I am deep now, no telling how far in. I have tracked each meter, mapped every path, 
but this maze is ever winding and their cheers now echo, violent with joy, and I hesitate to investigate as I am entering unknown corridors thick with security. Yes, yes, this is a special place, a holy place, a mechanized place, and the shouts merge with screams and the grinding of gears and the joy of joins with pain. There is suffering here, punishment, a, a ritual. I must know so we may know, and I move slow, careful, must not be seen, cannot be detected, meter by meter, anywhere where cover is provided, quick and with purpose, whenever exposed, I make my way, leap, quick and with purpose whenever exposed, I make my way, leaving other avenues unexplored. The cheers must be understood, but eventually they die, replaced by the harmony of the pirates' busy days and nights. Oh my, how they never rest, or rather, when they rest, others continue the work, prepping scavenger sorties, sifting through spoils, readying their fleet, their weapons, their worship, the manner in which they revere machines. I should feel safe here. I should be among their gods. Am I a machine? I don't know. I don't know anything. Their worship is not so simple. The cacophony of excitement no longer echoing, I slow my pace, but remain vigilant in my efforts to locate its origin. It is weeks before I do. Weeks before now. A ceremony has just ended and I am sending out a recollection of what I have seen because I am seen. These are my final moments, of this I am sure. The ceremony is combat, ritual, and fury. It is a pit and arena where the lesser and unworthy must prove their value or suffer and die. Oh, how they fight dirty. Oh, how they fight to survive or to thrive. In this pit before the eyes of an archon, shame to Lixney may redeem themselves. Lesser pirates may improve their station, a dreg to a vandal, a vandal to a captain, and a captain to... This is their forge, their place of judgment, their trial before their betters. This is what we are up against. Kill or die, thrive or perish. They have no use for the weak, and they watch and cheer and scream as their archon looks on. But I have become careless. The fervor became a distraction, and now the Archon's eyes have found me. And I am too deep to run. And I think he's smiling. The Last Frantic Transmissions of Ren A Brave Ghost of the Spectral Network Ghost Community Theater presents The Ghost Community Theater presents Oryx the Nightmare Daddy one brave ghost versus the death from outer space. A four and a half act play, written and directed by Dee Dee, ghost of Marcus Wren. Starring Marcus Wren as the hero's ghost. Dee Dee the ghost, the guardian hero. Enoch Bast as Oryx. Pixie, a ghost of Ariadne Gris, as Urhalok. Sweeperbot as Uranuk. Ghost, Ghost of Enoch Bast, as the ghostly shade of Crota. 
See the play that Commander Azavala calls an insensitive and disrespectful travesty of a production with truly abominable prop design. It's an insult to the art of paper mache. The eponymous ghost himself calls it Is this supposed to be me? Oh, oh no. Ghost, the ghost of Tara Khan calls it A four and a half act structure, but that makes no... Stories have rules, you know, you can't... What constitutes half? And you know what? I don't need to entertain this nonsense. Ophicus, the ghost of Ikora Ray calls it Lord Shex calls it Undeniably enthusiastic, I'll grant you that. But is the dialogue meant to come across so... sexually charged? Ghost, the ghost of Tarakarn calls it... I've been thinking about it and I really do think it would be worthwhile for you to learn the basics of narrative composition. Sit down, we're doing this now. Difference of Opinion Peregrine Institute of Higher Learning presents Ghost Stories Interviews with Two Ghosts of the Traveler a guest lecture by two guardianless ghosts about life, light, and the search for their guardians. Featuring Balthazar, who is unpartnered, and Peach, who is also unpartnered. Transcript of the Q&A session is as follows. Question. What is the Traveler in your understanding? Great question. Terrible question. In a sense, it's the only question. The Traveler is our primary, our mother. The Primordial and the Pinnacle. A dear friend, the ghost of Bajari, once compared the Traveler to a song that has never been sung. Look, the answer no one likes to give is that no one knows what the Traveler is or anything about it. Not even us. We know she wished for us to raise guardians, to be her avatars and defenders. Do we, though? Just because we can doesn't mean we were made to do that. And who says it's a she, anyways? Why does it need a gender? The Traveler, in her omniscient wisdom, looked into the past and the future, and from all the generations that emerged from the Cradle of Earth, she chose the best of them to be her champions. Each ghost was lovingly and carefully created for their one true guardian. The ghost and guardian complete each other. If that's true, then the Traveler's kind of a jerk. Excuse me? Look, I know tons of ghosts who died before they ever found their guardians. I know some ghosts still haven't found their guardian. You haven't, and I haven't. But I don't think I'm incomplete because of it. I have the humility to recognize my own shortcoming and to submit myself to the Traveler's plan. Question. Do you remember being inside the Traveler? No. I do. We call it the womb. I have never and I will never call it that. Imagine a cosmos inside a bottle. Trillions of stars orbiting each other in a complex weave. But they aren't stars. Perhaps a better word would be the souls. Souls dancing in an infinite space enclosed within a celestial egg. Which is it? An egg or a womb? It's called a metaphor. Well, then pick a metaphor, not twelve. Well, what would you call it? I wouldn't call it anything because I don't remember it and I don't think you do either. In question, some people say that each ghost is an aspect of the Traveler. That is to say that each ghost represents a part of the Divine Whole. First of all, that wasn't a question. Second of all... <laughs> third of all... If I'm part of the Traveler's brain or soul or whatever, then the Traveler sure isn't divine, I'll tell you that much. Question. What will you do if you never find a guardian? 
I shall find the Guardian. The Traveler has willed it so. Did you get that in writing? It is true that some ghosts die before finding their partners. If that happens to me, then I suppose I will do nothing, since I will no longer be. But I have faith. If I never find my Guardian, I'll go steal someone else's. I hear Sagiris has a good time with that. Question. If you could eat, what would you eat first? Finally, a good question. We do not know the desire for food. Our semi-corporeal form- Nectarines, or hot sauce. Ooh, or crickets. Crunchy roasted crickets. Crunchy food sounds so fun. I wish I could get cricket carapace stuck in my teeth. Here's a question for you. What's it like to have teeth? <sighs> Is this over yet?